This is the Moshpit Backstage Podcast for punk, metal and rock interviews and segments. Hello everybody, here is PV from Rage and you're listening to the Moshpit on the Scene. PV is the bassist and vocalist of Jeremy and the heavy metal band Rage, who'll be releasing their 23rd album, Seasons of the Black, on July 28th. PV, thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, it's fine. Nice that you have me. <laughs> You're very welcome. It's an absolute pleasure to have you. Um, now, with this album, it's only been 14 months since you released your previous album, The Devil Strikes Again. What caused you to get back in the studio so quickly? Oh, we're having really a great run in the band right now. The situation is very creative, and we were writing songs constantly. Even as we already have recorded the last album, we were still writing songs because the ideas were just coming, you know. And we have our own little studio where we can get in anytime, you know. So, so it's very, very easy for us to just capture the songs right away as we just wrote them. And um, that's what we did. And before release of the last one, we already have five new tracks. And by October last year, then the, this new album now coming out now was already done, you know. So it was quite easy for us to, to just release it, you know. Why should we wait then for another two years or so? Makes no sense, you know. Other, uh, otherwise, we will have like three albums in, in stock already. <laughs> so uh, the record company also liked the idea, as we're, especially as we're trying to establish now the new lineup since two and a half years. Um, it just makes made sense to just come up with the next one pretty soon, you know. So that's why we're doing it. You mentioned, you know, five, five tracks, October, which is crazy amazing. How, how does the actual writing work? Do you guys kind of jam? Do you do you sort of come up with ideas and come together? How how does that all work with you guys? Well, mostly, I start with the whole thing. I'm I'm uh, I'm jamming with myself basically on the classical guitar <clears throat> and develop a kind of harmonic structure the uh, um, I develop the, the vocal melodies the basic melodies the basic riffs and stuff so we have like a skeleton of a song and then mostly I meet with my guitar or with our guitar player uh, Marcos Rodriguez uh, who, who runs this little studio where we are working you know in and <clears throat> then we just Jam on, on my ideas, and uh, he adds ideas that he gets, and mostly spontaneous. Uh, sometimes he also uh, already comes up with some riffs and stuff, and I might have something uh, half written for it or so, and we, we just combine it, the ideas we have. Sometimes we actually have a kind of session situation in the studio where we all just start a jam, and ideas develop from this. So it's um, all the possibilities are given, and... Uh, um, so that's that's why we have so many songs, you know, because <laughs> we're constantly working on this stuff. We have so much fun playing together, and um, yeah, it's very a very creative situation. The band has a, a great deal of history. It's really amazing the fact you're in your twenty third album, an incredible achievement for any band, really. But you've also got some fresh blood. How do you how do you think those two work together? Because they're kind of opposite kind of things, you know, sort of exuberance, freshness, as well as sort of um, experience and all those kind of things that go with it. Are you talking about Marcus and Lucky? Yeah. 
Yeah, <clears throat> most um, you have to know both guys are since my friends uh, since a long, long time. We have um, we're we are privately uh, together already since with Marcus it's more than fifteen years, and with Lucky it's um oh, something thirty something years since nineteen eighty eight. We are friends, <laughs> and um, you know there's a this, this is a long personal history we have together. So it's a complete different situation uh, for us. Working in a band now, uh, it's it's very familiar for us to be together. You know, this is not that we have like have to learn to each, know each other or so. Or, you know, both guys are grown up with a band. They are absolutely into the the brand, into um, this typical sound. You know, and it's what they exactly want to hear when they're playing this stuff. You know, so on one hand, uh, they they are like uh, they always have been in the band you know it feels like they've all, always been with me and on the other hand of course this is bringing kind of fresh blood you know kind of freshness in the music and i guess you also hear this when you see us live or so on stage this is um a very new fresh energy and a very much um <clears throat> uh trusting atmosphere among each other you know now the last four tracks of the album form the tragedy of man tell us a little bit about the concept behind that Oh, this yeah, this epic from from the new album, the twenty-minute epic thing uh, co- uh, where we combine four songs to one one bigger thing, you know, um, deals a bit about uh, the extinction of mankind that we're just forcing at the moment. <laughs> oh, since a while already, we're forcing this, um, which is like a summary basically of the most topics of this album, and um, yeah, it starts with um, acoustic guitars, starts quite calm and develops into a metal storm, I would say. And uh, the ending, the last part, uh, coming with some little orchestration, uh, it's like a, the big epic ending, you know. So kind of monumental thing. Fits pretty good to the rest, I would say. You use the name Seasons of Black, which is actually a, a track on the album. I'm always curious about how you pick an album title because it's kind of the thing that people will apart from the artwork, is, is the thing that people hear, people see when they think of your album. How did you go pick, about picking that particular name to represent the album? Oh, this was pretty much a coincidence. I, I just came up with this song, and Marcus liked the title so much, and he was just, like freaking out, oh, come on, let's call the album like this also, you know. <laughs> and we all liked the idea, and this was a spontaneous decision then. Okay, we can just uh, use this also as an album title, but in the plural, you know, because the song is just season, and the album is seasons. <laughs> mm. Mm. So it was a coincidence. <clears throat> now, the other thing that kind of represents an album in people's minds is an album artwork. Tell us a little bit about that, because um, I'm a little bit fascinated, always a little bit confused about the album artwork that I look at. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, this album artwork was, again, uh, done by um, Karim Koenig, the, uh, the guy that did already the one before, with, uh, with my ideas. Um, I came up with this skull. Uh, this is a sound shader skull. This is a kind of creature that is always following us on our artwork since 1988. Um, I came up with a skull because um, I just I wanted to have a, a skull of this creature for myself. You know, I'm uh, privately I'm collecting bones and skulls, and so I'm also I'm also a learned uh, preparator. This is I don't know if it's the right word in English. Um, anyway, in this job I learned doing casts of uh, of bones and skulls. So <clears throat> I took one of the skulls from my collection, made a cast from this, and modeled. Uh, this uh, weird jaws, this alien jaws to it, 
and um, so I had this model and uh, showed it to the other guys, and they liked it very, very much. And uh, so we got the idea to um, make a cover from this, you know. And uh, Karim did the artwork again. Looks pretty dark. I think it looks pretty fitting to the album. And yeah, we just like it. This kind of bone stuff, this kind of uh, twilight zone between life and death things. This always following rage. This is also my favorite topic. So, and uh, you mostly use this kind of stuff in my lyrics. So it, I think it just fits to the band. <clears throat> in terms of your, your interest in bones, how did you get into that? Because that's kind of a that's something that I, I don't think necessarily a lot of people are into. So it got really fascinating. Yeah, I, I'm. This is a topic for me since I'm four years old or so. Maybe uh, my first interest was awoken by my dad. He was a teacher for biology and chemistry, and he had a he had some little animal skulls from his studies in his uh, uh, in his closet. And <clears throat> I was always fascinated. I remember since I could think. And um, so when I was four years old, I started to get my own skulls. You know, <laughs> first the very first piece was my gold hamster back then. And nowadays I have a very huge and larger osteologic scientific uh, collection spanning from uh, all kinds of old fossils to uh, a big human uh, bone collection, a big uh, animal collection. So this is all, it's all included. I have my little private museum. <laughs> sounds sounds a bit uh, sounds a big big mouth, but it's it's really like this, you know. The album comes with a bonus CD featuring re-recordings of some tracks back when the band was called Avenger. What, what was it like revisiting material that's you know over thirty years old? Because it was just, uh, back then released under a different band name, Avenger. So it was this were always uh, a little bit lost. This kind of these songs, you know. Those were the very first uh, songs I ever released, and I uh, just realized these, kind of, these songs are timeless, and they de- would deserve to be brought into the rage history. Uh, so we got the idea to just re-record some of those songs, as we wanted to have some bonus material. And in the end, they, these songs developed to sound awesome. They could have been written for this new album. And um, if you hear it, you, don't re- you wouldn't believe that those songs are like 35 years old or so, you know. Now, I've spoken to a couple of long-running German heavy metal bands in the past few months, and one of the things that really interests me is, like, the fact that you keep playing. That's, it's kind of, a lot of people have things they love to do, but not everyone gets to do something for such a large part of their life. What is it that sort of has kept you coming back to this? And, like, it's not, it's not like this is... Like the easiest job in the world, you know. There, there are there are troubles in this. What what has kept you coming back to this and kept you going with this? Well, this is my life. Music is my life, and this band is my life. And definitely, I I decided for this for long ago, and um, I would I will keep on doing this as long as I can stand. You know. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if I would go on stage with in a wheelchair or so, but I would still be writing music and producing it or so. So. Music is my life, and uh, it's the best thing I can do. And this is what really keeps me happy and keeps me sane, you know. When did you kind of first get into this music? Uh, something that kind of interests me, because I've kind of come around, and all this music has already existed, and it's already proliferated. But like, when, when did you first get into it? When I first got into music, I was, oh, let's say, I was a, I was a kid, definitely, like... Five years old or so, maybe it was uh, by the um, late sixties or so. My very first 
uh, touch with rock music were the Beatles. It was uh, the Abbey, Abbey Road album coming out, I think, in 69 or so. And um, from this, uh, I got very much inspired by Deep Purple, also around this time, around 1970. And, I, yeah, I was just... I wasn't even in school, I guess, back then. <laughs> um, I guess for, uh, through my elder brother and a cousin of mine, uh, I learned to know this music. Um, I just remember that my cousin, they were having a band already. He was a bit older. They were having a band. They were all these long-haired guys with kind of psychedelic guitars. <laughs> um, they were doing something hard rock-like or so, I don't kind of, as far as I remember, but I was absolutely impressed. And this was my first touch with rock music back then, and I started to collect all this stuff and uh, learn the songs. And um, around this time, when I was just a, a few years older, so I started to learn the guitar and... Uh, so from the beginning on, I started to write songs, and it was clear for me already back then that this has, would be a big part of my life. Of course, in the beginning, I couldn't hope to make a living from this and uh, to develop something that's still there now as I'm 50-something, you know. <laughs> but um, it was clear for me that I wouldn't get rid of rid of this in my life. <laughs> How did you first start to sing? Yes, from the beginning on. I, I, when I when I had learned my first chords on the guitar, I wrote. I remember I had one chord, <laughs> first chord I learned, and I made a song from this. <laughs> it's a joke. It sounds like a joke, but I mean, actually, you you could like sing around this chord, you know. And uh, that's what I did. I wrote some very um, cheesy lyrics <laughs> and uh, sung this stuff around this chord. You know, this was from the first step on. I always sung with the guitar. You know, so this is natural for me. <clears throat> when did you first pick up the bass? Whoa, this was a bit later then. I already had my first band, and uh, I was at this point I was a guitar player and singer. And, of course, all the little boys at this time, they wanted to be the guitar players. So, in the end, we ended up with three guitar players and no bass player. <laughs> and um, so, I realized, okay, no one wants to do it. It's okay. I, got, I just got to uh, switch over to the bass guitar, which is um, also interesting for me because uh, at, the, at this point, I was very much into Mr. Lemmy Kilmister from Motorhead. Um, must have been around 1980 or so. And uh, I was a big fan of, of him, and I liked him so much, and I liked this Rickenbacker bass guitar that he was playing, you know. Um, so I, I got the chance at this at this stage uh, to to get a used one, a used Rickenbacker, which I still have. This was my first bass guitar, a model from uh, 1969, actually, it was built. Uh, a real historic bass guitar now. <laughs> still have it in my collection. And, uh, yeah, that's how I became a bass player, because no one else wanted to do it in the beginning, you know. Of course, later, very shortly later, I, lo I loved the instrument. I loved um, what, what I could do could do with this and what I could add to the music. gave a way more dimension than if you just scrabble around on three guitars or so, you know. So that's, a, that's how it started. Well, one thing that kind of fascinates me about heavy metal is it's this kind of thing where it, you know, people have often been calling it either rubbish or saying it's dead. Um, for your experience, you know, coming through such a large chunk of heavy metal history, like, what do you think of heavy metal then when you were sort of picking it up, starting the band, and now? Do you think it's it's still vibrant? How do you think it is now as opposed to then? 
Of course, uh, uh, the things have changed a little bit over the years. There's way more competition now, of course, than it was back then. Uh, but in general, I, I don't really think that the, the fans, and um, which are the basic of the scene, you know, that the fans have changed that much, you know, even as 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 is now a complete different world with all this digital world and internet and all this stuff. This was, of course, not existing back then. But the fans are still in love for this energy. They love this... Um, yeah, this uh, this vibe that this music uh, particularly has, you know, this is something complete else than what you find in pop music or in rap or whatever and all this other stuff, you know. And um, I know metal was always uh, predicted to be dead or so, but it never was, you know. It was always existing somewhere in the world, you know. Of course, there were trends coming up or so. I remember here in Europe, probably also in the, in the, in the States or so, when this uh, grunge stuff was coming up, all these metal bands were just disappearing or so it seemed but uh, they just went to someone else in the, somewhere else in the world you know i remember as as we had problems touring or uh, over here in europe we just went to japan you know because at this point metal was getting huge in japan you know so we could just stay there for the rest of the time you know <laughs> this was for a couple of years and then it was coming back again you know you know this is with with everything in the world it's all coming up and down in waves you know so that's, it's always happening somewhere on this planet you know metal i don't think that metal will die <clears throat> that's good to hear I, I think that's definitely thanks to you know incredible bands like you rage their 23rd album seasons Blake, is out on july 28th pv thank you so much for joining me it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you yeah also for me Thanks for listening to the Moshpit Backstage Podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes and Omni. To find out more about the show, go to www.syn.org.au slash moshpit. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash moshpitonsin and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at moshpitsin. The regular Moshpit radio show broadcasts punk, rock and male tunes and interviews every Thursday nights on Sin 9.7 on FM and digital radios. Listeners outside of Melbourne, Australia can stream Sin 9.7 online at www.syn.org.au. Thanks to Vintage Ruin for the music. Hi, this is Tomato from Flash Gun Apocalypse. Hi, I'm Enid from Girls Go. I am Phoebe Pinnock from Heaven the Axe. Hey, this is Gary Oldman of the Misfits. Hey, this is Kat Sproul from Horizon's Edge, and you're listening to The Moss Pit on Sin FM. Hi, this is Aina from Leopard. Hi, I'm Virginia Lilly from the band Lilly. This is Raoul from 1449. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Ali from Eberhead. Hey everybody, this is Charlie Benante with Anthrax, and you are listening to the Mosh Pit on Sims.